This message was preached as pulpit supply by Jared File. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it is beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. Let's turn in our Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. We made it through the household code. Talked about how we relate to government, how we re- how uh, servants relate to their masters, how husbands and wives relate to one another in the midst of a hostile world. And Peter now in this passage returns to all of us. Um, and we need to remember here also um, what he's saying here to all of us is on the basis of what God has already done. God has caused us to be born again. Amen? He's caught, he's, he's, uh, holds for us a living hope. We have a living hope that will never, pace, uh, never fade away that He's got for us. Amen? He, he holds us in His hands. And, and we live in the midst of this hostile world. And how are we going to make it? How are we going to make it through this hostile world? He's been showing us how. And this, he says, finally, to all of us, this is what we do. Let's, let's look at our text, beginning in verse 8. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from seeking, speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for your word. Lord, we pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Lord, help us to understand how we are to live in the midst of this hostile, present evil age. Lord, let us be shaped by your word above all else, not the media that we consume, but by your word alone. Lord, we love you, and I ask that you would give me strength and grace as I preach your word. In Jesus' name, amen. He begins, finally... Sounds like a preacher, doesn't he? He's only in chapter 3. We got two more chapters. He's saying, finally. (laughs) Well, he ends this section where he's dealing with different stations of life. And he says, finally, all of you, all of you have unity of mind. And he names off these like five things. Unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. We think of all these things, and I notice some similarities here. Notice the first and the last both have mind in them. Unity of mind and humility of mind. So we have 
uh, a connection between them. It has to do with how we think. And then sympathy is the second one. And the second to last is a tender heart. Again, they have to do with how we feel, isn't it? Sympathy. We feel with one another. And a tender heart, we're compassionate towards one another. And the one in the middle, when you have a construction like this where you have two things that are equal on both ends and then the the things that are next to the end are, are the same and then you come to the middle, that one in the middle is usually the one that's the emphasis, the one that's the most important. Brotherly love. He wants us to have brotherly love towards one another. Let's look at each one of these things. Have unity of mind. You know what? We live in a world that is, as I've already said, it is this present evil age. It is hostile to us and it is divided, isn't it? Just turn on the news, get on social media, and everyone is at each other's throats aren't we? As God's people, as people who have been born again, God wants us to have unity of mind. He wants us to have to to be united. Um, Jesus prayed in the garden. He prayed in John 17 that we would be one as he and the father are one. Right. And yet. In our world today, we see so much division. Within churches, it ought not to be that way. However, it often is. When you look at social media, it's not just Christians against non-Christians in the social media. No, we're fighting amongst ourselves, aren't we? Um, We are fighting amongst ourselves. We have this camp and this camp. Uh, talking about all manner of, of issues. One's accusing the other of being social Marxists and the other one's accusing the other ones of not caring about the poor. And oh my goodness, we are just at each other's throats, aren't we? It ought not to be so. If we are going to make it through this hostile evil age where we are living as strangers and aliens, we've got to have unity of mind. We've got to recognize we're on the same team as believers. If we have been born again, and if we're a part of the same family, if we share with one another that common imperishable seed that has caused us to be born again, then we've got to love one another earnestly. We've got to have a unity of mind. Now, one thing that I'm coming to you as a Baptist, okay? And I know this is not a Baptist church. Um, So I'm going to talk here about what some have have looked at and said, well, this is evidence that the church is just not unified. You've got so many different denominations, don't we? We have this denomination and this denomination, and why can't the churches all just get together and have unity of mind? Like... The scripture tells us to have, right? I'm going to say something that will be weird. And if you don't agree with me, just chalk it up to, oh, that guy's a Baptist. <laughs> okay. Um, but uh, here, here's, here's something that I think is actually true. Denominations actually serve to help 
with unity. That sounds strange, doesn't it? But if, if we have differences of opinion, say we, have, uh, we don't believe in uh, a state church where, we're allowed, where, where the government says everybody has to believe all the same things, right? We have freedom. We have freedom uh, of conscience. And so if we live in a world, in, in a country where we have the freedom of conscience, then not everybody's going to come to the same positions about things. We have some who, like our Presbyterian brothers and sisters, I'm going to pick on them instead of the differences between us. <laughs> Presbyterian brothers and sisters who um, baptize infants. They're thoroughly convinced that this is what the Scripture teaches. We don't find evidence for that, do we? But, this, but the Presbyterians will say, well, in the Old Testament, bapti- uh, the, uh, in the Old Testament, infants were circumcised. And that was the sign of the covenant. So in the New Testament, then the sign of the covenant should go on the infants of believers as well. And so they would say baptism replaces circumcision. And, and so they, they're convinced of this from the scriptures. Well, I don't agree with that, right? I, I'm a Baptist. That's what it means. <laughs> um, I believe that, that uh, a person should be baptized whenever they're saved, right? Uh, whenever they're able to profess faith. In Christ. Okay? And so we have these distinctions between the two groups. So if you have those people together in the same church, then there's going to be feelings hurt. There's going to be divisions. There's going to be arguments. So I think maybe the best solution for that, if we live in, an era, in a place where people don't agree on things and we have the freedom, freedom of religion, the best thing to happen is for people to be able to congregate with people of like mind, right? Those who believe in baptizing babies, we can recognize the, that they believe the gospel, that they believe the Bible, even though we disagree about what it teaches. And we say they're Christians, but when it comes to, to actually forming a church, you have to decide what you're going to do, right? You, you can't just say, well, we'll baptize some babies, but not others. If you do, then somebody's going to have their feelings hurt along the way, and it's just going to be more disunity. So that's my case. You can chalk that up to me being a Baptist if you disagree with me. But uh, that's one way where actually denominations can help foster unity. I know, it's strange. Anyway, we are to have unity of mind. We're not to be at each other's throats. I think the most important unity happens at the local church level. It's not what we are as a nation, but it's at the local church level. It's whenever we meet together as a congregation. Are we at each other's throats? Or can we meet together in love, in unity, as a congregation? Next, sympathy. Sympathy simply means feeling with. When one hurts, we all hurt with them. We, 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 we go through a prayer list and we talk about those who are sick and hurting and maybe in need. And we feel with them. We have sympathy for one another. That is something that characterizes those of us who are believers. We must have sympathy for one another. Brotherly love. This is something that, this is, this is a note that 
Peter is banging throughout this whole book, isn't it? He said, we've been, we've been born again of an imperishable seed that we might love one another earnestly from the heart. And here he's bringing up that again. Brotherly love. All of us. Regardless of whatever station in life we are, we need to have brotherly love towards one another. If we're believers, if we're going to make it through this hostile world, we just got to love one another. A tender heart. We don't want to be cold towards one another. We don't want to be um, rigid and... and uh, uncaring towards people. But we want to have a a tender heart. I think it goes right along with sympathy. When when people are sharing their hurts and the things they're going through, we must have sympathy for one another. The world has so much pressure on us. Pressure to conform, to give in to their way of thinking. And when we meet together as churches, we need to have sympathy for one another and be able to to care for one another. And then finally, a humble mind. A humble mind. I think this fits very well with having unity of mind. If we have a proud mind, there's not going to be very much unity, is there? You can't have both together. Um, If we have proud minds, if we're thinking... I'm right, and the world is wrong. Not, okay, I shouldn't say the world, because the world is. <laughs> if we say, I'm right, and my brother over here is wrong. And, okay, well, maybe that's true, but we need to have humility. We, we need to, to recognize that we all have faults, we all have failures, and um, we not, we, uh, he tells us, uh, the scripture tells us we're not we're to think of others as greater than ourselves. If we have humble minds, that will be something that preserves unity among us. Here I think Peter has been talking about those things that we that characterize us as a church, the things that we need to do together as a church. We've got to have humility of mind, a humble mind, sympathy, a caring, a, 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 a um, tender heart, and we've got to have love for one another. In verse nine, I think probably he's moving on not just to talk about our relationship with one another as believers, but our relationship to the world that's hostile against us. Or at least I hope so. He says, do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. Right? I hope that he's talking about the way the world treats us. Now, it's possible that we might have, be offended by other believers and, and, and be tempted to repay evil for evil. But primarily, I think this is talking about the way the outside world treats, treats us. We will be treated with contempt as believers. Jesus said, the world hates, hated me and it's going to hate us too, right? And uh, here, he gives us the instruction, do not repay evil for evil. And that's, I think, talking about what we do and then 
reviling for reviling. Do not repay reviling with reviling. When they slander us, when they lie about us, we don't get even. We don't do the same thing. Whether it's our actions or our speech, do not repay evil for evil, our actions, or our speech, do not repay reviling with reviling. In either way, that is not supposed, we're not supposed to be people who get even. Okay? The world is full of people who want to get evil, get even. But Christians ought not to be that way. We recognize we've been forgiven so much. And because we've been forgiven, we must forgive everyone who transgresses against us. We pray it in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our debts, just as we forgive those who trespass against us. I got that mixed up, didn't I? But on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. When people do, when people treat us evilly, when people do things to us, when people speak against us, they lie about us, they slander us, what are we supposed to do? Instead of getting even, we bless. We bless. We pray for them. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, on the Mount, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Peter here is picking up the same theme. When people revile us, when people persecute us, we bless. We treat them well. And it's not just for the purpose of heaping coals upon their heads. It's not killing them with kindness. It's because that's what we were called to. Verse 9 also says, For to this you were called. We were called to this. He saved us so that we would respond with blessing. He caused us to be born again so that we would respond with blessing when people mistreat us. You see that there? For to this you were, were called that you may obtain a blessing. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. We've been called to this because when we are the kind of people who respond the way Jesus responded to suffering and reviling and persecution, then we will be blessed. We will think we are counted worthy of suffering for Christ's name. Amen. Verse 10. Here, Peter um, supports what he has been saying in this letter with an Old Testament quotation. He says, For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. I'll stop there for a moment. He's talking about the same things. Let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. These are the speech things. He said earlier, don't pay, repay reviling for reviling. Here, this text, is, this Old Testament text that he's referring to is talking about our speech. Let, let us keep our tongue from evil and our, our lips from speaking deceit. 
He told us earlier, do not repay evil for evil. And here the text tells us from the Old Testament, let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. It's talking both about our actions and our speech. If we desire to love life and see good days, and this text here is not talking about your best life now. Right? It's not talking about the here and the now. The here and the now is hard. It is suffering. It is living in a hostile world. But whoever desires to love life and see good days, that's talking about the hope that we have lifted up for us. That hope that is in heaven that will never be touched. That is the hope. That is the good days that it's talking about. If we desire to hold on to that, to look to that, that is where we put all of our hope. Then let us be the kind of people who don't let our tongue speak evil, who don't let our lips speak deceit, who turn away from evil and do good. And let us be peacemakers. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. And when we make peace, uh, I think there's a couple of things we do. One, when people are uh, against us, when people um, speak evil against us, whenever they slander us, whenever they do things against us, we should be the ones who are seeking reconciliation. But also... Making peace, seeking peace and pursue it, I think also speaks to our evangelism. Remember, the, whole, the world outside, they're lost. They're, they're apart from Christ. And they are His, His enemies. And by speaking the gospel, we're seeking peace. We're by sharing the gospel, we are praying that there, they would be reconciled to God the same way we were. We were once in darkness, and He's brought us into His marvelous light that we may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called us. And when we seek peace, we're seeking the same for those who are mistreating us even right now. Verse 12, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and His ears are open to their prayer. In the midst of the suffering, it can feel lonely. But here we are reminded, God is watching us. He hears our prayers. It can be hard when we are slandered and mistreated not to try to get revenge. But we know God is watching us. He's there with us. He hears our prayers. And that's an encouragement. We couldn't do it if we were just on our own. But we know that He's there with us, suffering with us. Finally, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. We don't want that. We know that the face of the Lord, He's against those. He's against those who do evil. And if we're born again, if He holds us in His hands, if He's changed us, we know 
But we've got to live that way. We've got to live with humility of mind, with unity of mind, with brotherly love, with a tender heart, with sympathy. We've got to not repay evil for evil, reviling for reviling. That has got to be what characterizes us. And one last thing. A text like this can tend to sound like law. Like, do this, do this, do this. And it can sound hard. And I want to remind us, chapter 3 comes after chapter 1. Chapter 1 tells us what God did for us. We don't have the strength, we don't have the power to do the things that he's telling us in this passage here, unless we've been born again. We don't have the strength to be able to not seek revenge unless he's changed us and he's, he's caused us to be born again by an imperishable seed. We can't do it on our own. The only way that we can obey this text is to know He's changed us. He has brought us out of the darkness and into the light. He has transferred us. He has reconciled us to us, to Himself and adopted us as sons and daughters. We don't have the strength or the power to do this on our own. It only comes whenever He has done a work inside of us so that we can be the kind of people who bless when others curse us.